I'm bringing in facilitators, have facilitators for what we're doing as a family, but I have my own advisors as well that are looking for my vested interest. And it's not anything about distrust or anything like that, but as women, we tend to worry about what is the best for everyone else. That's who we are. Over the past couple of years, we've shared many stories of women founders and leaders making an impact. And this time, we're speaking with a fourth-generation entrepreneurista, Currently the Vice President at Horace Construction Services, Lena Graham Morris grew up in the family business and is now playing an essential role in growing and scaling the company. You're about to hear her biggest lessons she's learned over the years from figuring out what you rock at and how she approaches difficult business conversations. Coming up, you'll hear Lena's best tips on succession planning and what she has learned during the process. How Lena acts as a facilitator and mediator at Forest Construction Services. The importance of bringing in outside resources to help with difficult business conversations. Lena explains their tried and true hiring process and how you can apply this to your business. And finally, Lena shares why she is involved with the Nobel organization, plus an exciting announcement. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Lena, I'm so excited to be here with you today and hear all about your entrepreneurista journey. Did you always know that you wanted to start your own business? So, yes. So there was always, no matter what I was doing, almost like this tiny person on my shoulder whispering into my ear, I always kept a consulting business going. But I will say, I think I'm a bit different than some because I'm fourth generation entrepreneur. So I grew up surrounded and I I tell people I grew up before it was a hashtag to be an entrepreneur and trendy. We, We had a family business, so it was a lot of grunt work. So I grew up in that environment and I believe that transcended through to everything that I did. What was the, what was the family business like? And when you were growing up, were you involved in the business as a kid? Yes. So when other children were playing with dolls, I was at our family business office with my grandmother. And, you know, she told me that we were playing secretary. I now know that I was assisting with payroll. I'm sure there are many labor laws against (laughs) what we did when we were younger, but we were always there with her. And I did not realize the impact of seeing her run Uh, the business. So it was a building business. My family migrated from Detroit here to the South for some other reasons, and then started a business in drywall and metal framing. So they started in the trades. Um, And so that's what I kind of the first, the first eyes I put on uh, the business was when we were in, uh, we had at one point 500 laborers. She was running payroll and running everything out of, uh, we had a huge office 
and downtown St. Petersburg. And so I would be there with her and, you know, putting things together and I would see how she was doing things. And I just thought it was fun. And I didn't realize I was being groomed at that time. Wow. So it was definitely, you know, in, in your DNA. And now you still are involved in your business. Can you share, you know, what your role is like now in the family business and how it's evolved over the years? Oh, my word. So, you know, my official title is vice president, second in command with my partner, my uncle. But and, and funny story, and I'm going to go back there because this is the same uncle that through my entire life was the entrepreneur I wanted to be. So to now be in the room with him and to be discussing business and deals with him is surreal in a sense. Um, this is the same uncle that when I was four, put me on the bus with him to school for show and tell. So wow. it's just it's just all, you know, full circle. So I just, I mentioned that because the majority of our team that's with us now has been with us over 30 years through, through this entire family dynamic. They're like family. So they've seen me grow up. So now, and this role can be a bit di different at times because now I'm coming in from a different angle. But so going back, I said, my official title is a vice president and second in command, but I feel like the facilitator. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we truly are a family business. Uh, we have 50 plus employees. We have six offices. Um, right now I'm in the succession plan and working with, so my father and my uncle took this portion of the business and kind of offset it. And now working with my father so that he can retire. So that's that's no pressure, right? <laughs> Every so that that's kind of you know I have to be cognizant of that. In addition, my aunt is the same way. She, we're working towards her retirement, and so I also brought on my sister because of her project management skills, and and and, I, and I'm saying her project management skills because sometimes we hire family just because, and that's not the reason. That's not going to make you successful. And um, I hired uh, my brother because he is season in construction and I feel like he and I are going to be the ones he's going to be my right hand so I brought him on um, but I spend so much time breaking up arguments from the from between the my uncle my aunt and my father because they have been working together so long it's like it's like a reality show. You're the mediator. <laughs> yeah, as the media, it's like, I will get a call at 4.30 in the morning. Construction starts early. So I will get a call. And I mean, it'll just be like, let me tell you what your dad did. And I'm like, great. And okay, this is how we're starting the morning this morning. And I'm going to get him on the phone right now. And then they're going back and forth. And I'm having to mediate and just, you know, let's, let's just have a moment here. What are we trying to accomplish? What's the bigger picture? So, you know, a lot of people will say a lot of things about what it is, but it's really, for me, my role is a mediator. Yeah. Facilitator, mediator, and getting things done. Uh, Cause we also are cross-generational. That's a whole different story and uh, can be totally challenging. Yeah, I have so many questions about this because we've interviewed several uh, business owners over the past few years that do have a family business or they've started their business with a spouse or a parent. And it's been so interesting to hear, you know, some of the learning lessons and tips to make it work. And it sounds like from what you're sharing, 
having someone who can be a facilitator or mediator is definitely very important. What are some of the other challenges that um, people face when running a business with family members and maybe some of the solutions that you've come up with to, to help with that dynamic? Yeah, absolutely. So I can particularly tell you some of the things that we face. And so as I gave you the hierarchy, so my uncle, who's my partner, is the baby boy. Okay. So there's a sibling, uh, I don't want to call it rivalry, but there's like a sibling hierarchy where my father just thinks because he's the oldest and he, you know, holds the GC license that he gets to just trump on everything. And um, my aunt is was like a second mother to my uncle. So she puts on her mothering hat a lot. So it's just, it's, there's so that that's a dynamic, right? And then I have to be very careful with, you know, treating with, with, uh, you know, my sister, because, you know, I don't know if you have a sister. It I is. Know. Okay. So, you know, it's like a love hate thing. So it's oh, like yeah. some days I love you are my best friend forever shirt, hashtag BFF forever. And then some days it is get away from me. Uh, Satan today, like you're really pushing my button. So it's trying to, to keep that balance, be fair, not to show any nepotism and which is, is just very important um, because we do have, we do have a number of other team members that we work with. So um, those are things to, to deal with. And so some of the things that have helped is I have a, I personally have an executive coach on standby for me. And I also brought her in to facilitate retreats, to facilitate multiple things. And so even though I got pushback at first, all of a sudden people would be emailing me and they would be like, is she coming in? Are we doing something this week? Is something happening today? And I was like, oh, they are listening. They are benefiting. Yeah, got the buy-in. Yes. So getting the buy-in of all the leaders. So not just the family, but the our extended family, which are our leaders. And then to have her facilitate some of the conversations because I noticed that the communication was totally off um, on something. So, you know, there's the, there's the family dinner hat and there's the sitting around the table hat and getting things done. And you can't cross, you can't uh, tangle those, you can't intermingle, you can't assume that someone is understanding what you're saying. You have to have those conversations. So I'm always the one who pushes the very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable conversations. And I am not afraid to bring someone in with me or say, let's have this expert come in and have this conversation. That's helped. Um, but it is, it is a tender, tender, tender situation. I, I am. Sure. Those are, those are definitely great tips, you know, bringing in those outside resources like coaches, executive coaches. I know when Courtney and I started social fly, we joined, you know, CEO groups and other networking groups, and we learned so much and they would bring in speakers and then we would learn from them and then help, you know, bring those into our organization. So I can imagine, especially with a business with many family members, having those facilitators and speakers and people coming in to really help is, is very impactful. So how do did you how did you learn in your career because you weren't always working for the family business this is this is you were brought on in this role you know or moved up into this role recently correct right okay so for years I had I don't know how far you want me to go back but I I've, I've always been doing something so I I had I worked for PBS and NPR and then I got laid off and I had this like highly brilliant idea to go back to school to do hair which I don't think I know it was not a good idea, but I made it work. 
And it was a great time that I had, right? So I ended up having a studio for multiple years and uh, I got very extremely sick, very sick. Bless my now husband. He was my fiance then. He put me on his insurance. I was in the hospital for like 45 days. My TV show got canceled. It was just whatever you want to name of a trial. It happened. Okay. And so um, I was sitting on my couch trying to kind of talk myself out of a depression because I was just like, wow, you know, I went from, I was making $700 a day, you know, 700 to $1,000 a day on set for BET or VH1 or Nickelodeon. And then I've been immobile, you know, for, for this time. And I have branded my business so much around me that I would send out my other girls, but people wanted me to come. So long story short, I'm sitting on the couch and I get a call from a colleague from my fundraising days. And she said, I would never in a million years ask you this, but I know you're just out of the hospital. Will you come and take a small consulting job for the African-American chamber. So I went to the chamber and the first day, and I told the pre- the, the president uh, there, he's now actually a secretary of the lottery for Florida. He's been named wow. by the governor. I told him, I said, John, JD, I will only be working with you for a week, but I end up staying with him for multiple years. And that's a key part of, of my story later. But the first day that I was there, a fax comes through or not a fax, but an email comes through from Moffitt Cancer Center and it says outreach, subcontracting opportunities, Horace Construction. And I'm like, that's my family's business. And so I I reached out to my uncle and I, in a joking text, and I said, yeah, you spent all that time trying to teach my brothers, you know, to take over the business when you really should have been grooming me. Right. And I want to say sidebar that Um, a couple of things to that. So as women, sometimes we don't ask for what we want. I just, you know, but I also want to emphasize, I don't know if I would have had the courage to ask for that if I hadn't had everything taken away from me and feel like I had nothing to lose in that moment. Um, So I sent him that text and he sent back, where are you girl? Let's talk. And we talked um, and he started uh, and said, well, do some part-time work for me kind of scout out the area for me. And that's where I started to pick back up with the family business. And from there, um, my role with the chamber grew to a leadership role, uh, to a leadership role, but he kind of was like, I kind of need you over here. And the first time he approached me, he was like, you need to stop everything you're doing and come back and be with the family business. And I was like, no, this is not how it works in 2000. And, uh, like 18, whatever it was. I was like, you, you don't approach me. You know, you can't just tell me what to do. And we were going back and forth. And I was like, listen, I've been transparent with you on what I'm doing. So if you, you know, you want me to step away, I'll step away. Well, some other things transpired. And then he came back a second time and he said, I need you. You're the only one who I feel that I can groom to take over. And I said, okay, well, that sounds like another conversation. Let's pick up from there. And that's how we ended up in the succession plan. Um, Uh, that has really been expedited. Coming up, you'll hear the importance of knowing your non-negotiables and boundaries before going into a business conversation. Lena, I would love to hear more about the succession planning in a business, especially a family-owned business, because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, you know, we start our business, we launch our business, and we have all these plans to scale and grow, but we don't think about, you know, 
what happens, not only like if something happens to someone or a key leader in the company, but long-term as you're growing your business, if you are going to pass on the reins or pass down the business to a family member, how do you start that planning process? And do you work with an outside consultant to help you through that process? So I will speak from a different, a few different angles, but I'll say this, there's no easy way when it's involving family or other folks, there's no easy way to start that discussion because that means the transfer of power or the plan of the transfer of power and you're talking about people who have given their lives, right, to, to start and to invest in something. And so, you know, a few things that I'll say from the family business side, for me, I have my own timeline. And so I am insistent on having conversations and putting things in place. And you should definitely get outside uh, folks to take a look at things. And you should have your own set as well. So what, what I'm saying is I'm bringing in facilitators, have facilitators for the family, for what we're doing as a family, but I have my own advisors as well that are looking for my vested interest. And, and it's not that, you know, anything about distrust or anything like that, but as women, we tend to not do that. We tend to always worry about what is the best for everyone else. That's who we are. We're nurturers by innately. So you have to kind of put on your business hat to say, I want to be fair, but I also need to make sure that it's equitable for myself. So I definitely, definitely advise you have the folks that come in, I'm biased to navigate the company through it. And then you have your back office advisory board and also know your uh, non-negotiables, uh, non your boundaries going into it, right? Because it's going to get emotional regardless. So you need to know the things that you know you want, that you know that are fair, the timeframes that you want them to happen so that you can refer to them and keep your plan close to, to pocket for you. And, and that's, you know, that's me speaking just as bluntly as I can. And is, is it uh, challenging? It is challenging because I'm always the one who has to bring up the conversation to revisit. You know, I had to have a conversation with my father. I was like, you know, I, look me in my eyes that, okay, what are, what are you doing? What is your, what is your plan? You're not, I need to understand so that I can support you. The answer of, well, I don't know. No, that's not an answer. And so imagine, you know, having to do that with your father is challenging. So I'm always the person who has to have these start these hard conversations. And if you're not that person, because I wasn't always that person. Okay. I have, I have just been through so much that I'm like, what the heck got to have the conversation. Right. But I wasn't always that person. And if you're not that person, then get someone on your personal advisory board. Who is that person? Yeah. To who can help you with, who can do it for you. You have to. Who are those people that you have on your personal advisory board? So I have legal uh, a legal counsel i have an executive coach i have a mentor right and i have a sponsor and so mentor and sponsor are a little different to me i hear so many different versions but sponsor is someone who's going to say i'm i'll take care of that for you right but the mentor is more of where you want to get so i have multiple multiple mentors but i have in the, in the case of of where I'm trying to get to, I have someone, a woman who's been through this before, who can say uh, from experience, 
this is what you look for. This is what you don't look for. And that's, and that's just a few. Um, and, and then, you know, having a, uh, just a, a PR, I have a risk. So she's almost like a public affairs person and she does risk assessment. She does PR and I can run things through her. So I have a few more people, but those are like my hub people of when I want to make some decisions, I'm going to be pretty strategic to say, what do you think about this? Um, give me your feedback. And I cannot emphasize about having a coach. I mean, a coach, mentor, you definitely, they're, they're different, have both of them. I, I completely agree with you. Courtney and I have worked with a business coach basically since we started the business. We were in a group. Have you ever heard of the um, organization called Vistage? I have. I have. Yes. We were years ago when, back when we first started the business, we were in that organization and our like group lead, um, I think, forget what it was called, but Leslie, she was our coach and we have formed this incredible relationship over the years. And like last year when Courtney and I both decided we're down in Florida now too, to move down here, you know, she worked with us and helped us put together a whole plan. And when you have that confidant and that, you know, your go-to coach or person that you know is there for you and knows you inside and out in your business. Like it's so helpful. So Courtney and I are the same. We're always encouraging women who are in business to have a coach and have that advisory board like you shared. Yes, we have to. And um, we have to be okay with having that circle to be vulnerable with because so many times we want to, like, I have to have, I have to have it all together. I have to have it all together, right? If you don't have that space where you can be like, listen, I, I permission to peel down to nothing right now to bare bones because I don't have it together. I'm one step from rolling around on the floor right now. Okay. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm give me a moment. You have to have that group, that, that inner, inner circle that you can confide in because, you know, let's just be real past all the BS on social media. It is, this is not a game. It is not a sprint. It is not fun. It is not a hashtag. It is every day getting up, almost fighting for your life, you know, to have, to have that independence, to have the, what we seek, what we want so much. And so it's not always going to be glitter, glam, fun. Uh, sometimes it's just dirty and grimy and gross and, and a headache. And you're like, why am I doing this? And it's those moments that you have to refer back to and those people that are so close to you to say, I need you to kind of come in close to me right now, have a moment. I could not agree more. I would love to hear from you, Lena. What is something that you're most proud of in, in your career? So actually, I am so proud that come July 1st, I am going to be president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, Orlando chapter, yes. and the first, yeah, and the first woman of color in 25 years uh, since it was established here locally to lead the chapter. So I'm actually really, really proud about that. That is incredible. What an accomplishment. How did that come to be? Have you been part of that organization over the years? I have. I have been part of the organization. And so when I ran uh, the chamber, I, we were in like a hub, right? It was called the National Entrepreneur Center. And I got to meet so many great folks and develop uh, relationships with them, see so many resources. And I had known about the organization, but they were actually there. And I would see them all together. I would see these ladies and having all this fun. And I was like, what are they doing? I start poking my head in, develop relationships. And then became a part as I was transitioning, I, I transitioned to be 
in the organization, get more involved, be on the board, and, and then into this leadership role. Congratulations. What will that role entail? And then my follow-up question to that is, how do you manage and balance all of these roles and responsibilities that you have in your company and, and other organizations? Any tips that you can share? Sure. So that role will entail leading. Um, so in general, it entails leading the local organization and association through uh propelling women to economic heights basically is our mission. And so leading, creating programming, implementing programming, uh, make strategic partnerships and leading the organization, getting the word out, recruiting members, assisting the members. So that's what it generally includes. But I believe in 2021 is a more critical component because of navigating post-COVID, right? It, it's just, uh, it's going to be so important that a community is set up for women to have resources. And so in addition to the traditional aspects of leading the organization is going to be this historical recuperating, you know, the numbers, Stephanie, you know, we're put back, we're put back. Women lost um, over 120% of the jobs last year right. in and men gained and, and men gained. We have to stick together and help each other and be a resource. So we actually, we can probably partner together when you're in your new role. So we launched our membership community for Entreprenista um, this past month to be able to have this community so we can all help each other and help each other grow. So once you, let's chat, once you get in your new role, because yes. probably provide a lot of resources to these women that are part of your community as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, I brought together all of our chapters in Florida and uh, May 21st. Um, I don't know when this is airing. I don't want to date it. But May 21st, we are doing an economic tourism panel. So also brought the tourism uh, visit Miami-Dade, visit Fort Lauderdale, visit Tampa, visit Orlando together. So to talk to us about what does the economy look like because tourism in Florida, now that you're here, you know, is one of our number one economic indicators, right? So we can gauge on what's happening with tourism. So I am all about bringing the state together, the resources together. And so to, to go to your next point on how do I do it all? Well, so my, my dear friend, she calls me Lena doing the most Morris. And really it, it, it can be a lot, but I am a planner. And I have really learned to delegate, right? You have to delegate and put the right people um, in place. If you don't, you can't do everything. And so I think one of the mistakes that we make as women sometimes is feeling like a leadership role means that that means we have to be involved in everything and get everything done. But it doesn't mean that. It means that we're responsible for moving the needle. Men do it all the time. They are they are so okay with delegating it out and taking the credit. Not to be fair, that's just the crew, that's the bottom line of it, right? I see it all the time. But we we are different. So I'm not saying that we change, but we need to understand that being in a leadership role doesn't mean that you know you have to go get the coffee and make the coffee and serve the coffee and clean up the it means that this is the kind of coffee I want. This is the time that we serve it. And then you put people in place to get it done. And that's, a, that's like a crude example, but that's the, you know, the best way that I can say it. And then I had to realize that if I was going to make a commitment to do the most, then things were going to have to fall, right? So 
you know, I have discussion with my husband and partner. Okay, this is what this looks like. This is going to be hectic for this year. And I've learned to maybe do spurts of things and then recuperate. So I'm going to make, I'm making this commitment to go into this role for this year and a half. I'm planning it out. I'm surrounding myself with strong people as I go to that. I'm dropping something else off. I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm holding up on the launch of another thing that I want to do and just planning out and being intentional about what's going to be the focus and making sure that they all align and run back into each other and it's never perfect and it never really always works and we just you know at the at the end of the day then we just do the best that we can yep that's i that's my mantra all you can do is the best you can do each day and just keep going and figure it out we're we're definitely resilient and as you shared with your story and all of the challenges and everything you went through i i I think that is such a common thread. I don't know about you with all the entrepreneurs that you've mentored and spoken with over the years, but I hear it time and time again. I feel like so many of us have been through these like really challenging like situations in life with our health or family. And it just makes us stronger entrepreneurs. We, uh, we figure it out and pr- problem solve. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Totally. I want to hear a little bit about um, your hiring process when you're looking for talent, because one of the things that you just shared is the importance of delegating. And when you delegate, you definitely have to hire the right team to be able to delegate to, to be sure that they're going to be able to, to run with everything and your, and your vision and they can execute. What are some of the, you know, tips you can share in terms of how to like best practices for hiring certain interview questions you, you might ask to be sure you're bringing on the right team. Absolutely. So I will give this disclaimer. I've done it wrong so many times, so many times. (laughs) So, so, by doing it wrong, what it's led me to uh, is knowing that there has to be a process. So currently, the w- where we stand with uh, Horace, so for my other entities, I do more subcontractors, right? And and that's a whole different uh, subject. But bringing on a actual employee is so important. And so the decision that I made and, and proposed for Horace is that we go to departmental hires. And what that looks like is let's train each head of the department, the department, because these are skill set jobs with certain skill sets, right? So they're not general hires unless it's administration. So it makes sense that each department head understands. Um, so there's a couple of things that we do. One is make sure that there's a good job description and we have resources that we lean into there there are resources for hr so we are a a small enough company we don't have an hr department that falls in under my purview and so i created an hr advisory board with the our um our legal and compliance team and our comptroller and myself to handle all components of HR, because if you look it up on the SBA and so forth, there's like seven or eight components, right? So we have a certain process of when a job is posted, here's where the job is posted, here's our resources. So it'll go out. And then the initial vetting is done through the department director. Now we have conversations with the department director so that they can understand there's an inter- there's an interview template and packet. So these are the questions you need to stick to asking. Uh, uh, these, you know, these are your parameters. And if they make it through that round, then we bring in the HR advisory board to go through a panel interview 
And we go a lot with uh, situational interviews at that point, because the first thing we want to know is if they have the skill set. Now, if they have the skill set, now let's understand them more as a candidate. And, um, you know, personally, one of the things that I like the panel interview, because everyone always brings a different uh, a different flavor to the table, right? So I'm looking at one thing. I'm looking at, for me, you know, very process driven. You know, are they going to come to work? Are they going to be on time? Are they going to do their work when they're there? Are they going to pretend that they're working or really be working? You know, those are things that that I'm thinking about. And then, you know, our our um, compliance person is going to be thinking about safety. So we all bring certain questions to the table. And one of my favorites are just tell me to get them talking and and their guard down in a sense, talking about their previous position. Tell me what was the things that you really, really liked about your previous position and what were some things you would have changed about your previous position? So for me, I think that gives them the opportunity to be a little bit more comfortable and to start talking in a sense where you can gauge maybe where their uh, ethics are, where their skill you know, lie, because we, we all know you can push your way you can be a show way through an interview, but if you start asking those specific questions, people will open up to you. And, and that helps just to kind of gauge the, the, the candidate that you're working with. I hope that answers your question that, uh, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> up next, how Lena integrates self-care in her daily routine and the value of embracing your losses. Lena, this is something fun. We started doing our rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions. And the first thing that comes to your mind, answer that. Ready? Okay. Okay. Describe yourself in three words. Sassy, independent, bold. Oh, so good. If you could learn one new skill, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I need to be a lawyer. That's not a skill. That's an entire career, but I, 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 I just, I want to know law inside and out. I love that. What is your most used emoji when you send a text? Hearts. Me too. <laughs> is there an app on your phone that you can't live without? Evernote. Ah, I want to talk about that. What is your favorite business solution that has helped you grow your business or your family business? Partnerships, teaming agreements, joint ventures. Lena, do you have a hidden talent? So believe it or not, I was a Mac makeup artist. So I have that fashion side of me from, from one of my other careers. So it really helps with now making those bold statements and, uh, corporate meetings. I like that. I like that hidden talent. Well, I, I love that one. And our listeners can't see you right now, but we're recording over Zoom and Lena has a bright, bold lip color on and a beautiful stylish necklace. And I can definitely see how you make a statement wherever you go. <laughs> and my final question in rapid fire is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh my goodness. To read people's minds. Mm. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, it, almost scary, but it would be great. I, I definitely <laughs> agree. So I want to hear a little bit about like what your day-to-day -day is like and what does a typical day outside of work look like for you? So no day is ever the same, um, which is ironic for me because I am very much a planner. 
Um, but uh, so I know that my days always start early because that's what with construction. And it just so happens that 4 a.m. to like 1 p.m. Those are my prime times. And I anything after that, I do I do an auto. I, I like to do meetings after that and things that are in autopilot. But if I have to write, if I have to be creative, if I have to do contracts, if I have to do you know, any type of strategy, I like to do it in the morning. So I, I always know that it's going to be an early morning. So I plan out as much as I can, but the dynamics of the folks around me, you know, play a critical role. My partner is not a planner. He is just kind of a shoot it from the hip, whatever, you know, the day is. So I, so I have to manage our, manage our uh, partnership. So that is a little bit of what that looks like. And I really am, you know, I really had a struggle on giving myself time to play but over the past few years and being married has helped with that. My husband totally, God bless him, Jared Morris, just have to give him a shout out. Um, he is my North star. Um, he is so grounded in making sure that you need to, you need to take care of your health. You need to do this. You need to do that. So he's always um, pushing for me to think about me. Because if it was up to me, I would, and this has been how I always was, I would be in front of a computer or working probably 15 to 17 to 20 hours a day. And I've done it and I still do it, but I've been a lot better. And being sick also um, helped me to realize that the world will continue to be okay if you fall over. I mean, literally. So we we say it sometimes or, or so forth, but you know, being sick um, put it in perspective for me. So it helped me, forced me to say, I need to celebrate my life. And so it's not natural for me to take off time. So I have to plan what the off time looks like. So I, I will block off time where I'm going to binge out on Netflix with my husband. I'm going to block off time where I'm going to take some girl time. Of course, COVID has totally, you know, Derailed. <laughs> Derailed that. I couldn't even think of the word, but, but for me, it's intentionally planning because it's not natural. I, I am, I am innately going to want to work all the time. I don't know if there's a lot of people who do that or. I hear I'm the, I'm the same way. It's, Are it's you, yeah. My, yeah, passion. Yeah. Everything is, is work because I love it because we're helping people and we're, you know, there's always more to do. So for I'm the same as you. It's hard for me to take a break and be like, oh, I need I need to block out time. I started doing what you're saying too. I block out time now on Wednesday afternoons to do things to help myself and take care of myself. What are some of the things that you have put in your calendar? Because I'm the same. I have I literally time block in my Google calendar. What are some of the things that you're blocking time to do now to take care of yourself? And I want to say this too, Stephanie. I had to get over the G word feeling guilty about taking care of myself. So I block out time. So I have, I don't have children, but I have puppies. So it is like wind down time for me. I call her my comfort dog. I will literally just take time and just play with her. And it, it just um, makes me feel so good. So I, I have a bad habit of shopping. So I have to keep that under control. That's, that's what I'll uh, uh, go, go out go online and do but the other thing is writing poetry again I'll block out time to write uh, poetry and to um, listen to motivational uh, podcasts and to just sit and color I started this piece where I color because it helps my mind to just go to a different place so I will sit and have a little place uh, my little sacred place and 
uh, small little uh, accent chair where I can prop my feet up and I have entire, this little paint set and I will literally, as crazy as, as it sounds, color. And that is, it, it, it lets me to, it, it causes me to refocus and to everything that's sitting on my mind that I don't think I can have an answer to, I let it go and then I revisit it. Um, and then when we're getting back to traveling, that's my jam. I, I love to travel with my husband. We love to cruise. Those are the things I can't wait to do. But in the interim, you know, I will say, okay, one weekend a month, we are going to stay in bed all day Sunday and watch, you know, you pick all the shows you want to watch and we catch up on. And I planned it. And so therefore I don't feel guilty when I'm doing it. I've kind of let it, you know, let it go. Um, and I'm always still working on it. I'm still working on it because I'm not, I'm not hundred percent with it because I am like you, I'm so passionate about working and, and getting things done and helping folks that I will keep going and going and going and yeah, going. It's hard. And going. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. Especially when it's, it's like naturally how we are, but we have to stop ourselves and do things to take time for ourselves because if we're not healthy and we're not doing good things for our bodies and our minds, then how can we help take care of help take care of others. Yes, absolutely. And I just recently got a wellness coach. And so um, what's good with her word, I call myself, I'm going vegan-ish, right? So I just not all the way there yet, but we are doing this transition challenge where like she's helping me prepare meals and three meals a week will be all plant-based. And, and so it's just, it's just really becoming self-aware, as you know, Stephanie, I think the biggest piece that we have to do is continue to be self-aware, understand what we do really, really well, like with our eyes closed and we, and we rock at, we rock at it so much that we, we don't even want to give ourselves credit. Like, what is that part? Who is that part of us? How do we fill the gaps that we don't do well with strong people around us? And then how do we give ourselves time to make us the best version of ourselves every day, what, what are those components? What does that look like? And start building those blocks around us. And then, and that's how we just make ourselves better. I just think it comes down to being self-aware. And during COVID, I will just give a shout out because this is mental, is this, I think this is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? I would just give a shout out that we need to have, get our keep our mental health in check, right? We have to give ourselves grace and we need to take care of ourselves physically and mentally. And it's okay. It's okay wherever we are with that. Yep. And just be there for each other and checking in on each other and making sure that we're all okay. And I say all the time, it's okay not to be okay. Let's be there for each other and figure out how, how we can help one another. Yes. Do you have a quote or mantra that, you know, you just live your life by? Yes. And so I got into a big dispute with my husband because he tried to tell me that I said, this is my quote. And he said, this is not your quote. And I said, this is my quote. We did an extensive search <laughs> on Google and it is my quote, right? So the absolute test of one's character is the ability to lose as gracefully as you win. It's so loaded, but the bottom line from this quote is I was homeless at one time pursuing my dream, like laid out on the ground me and my puppy, like, I, you know, I, I am a believer and I have faith and I just, it was really my faith that helped me through and on the outside. And I was so ashamed, right? So embarrassed and ashamed because I'd made a few personal decisions that put me into a bad predicament. And I was so ashamed. 
And so, but I was able to, on the outside, and I'm not saying this is good or not, or not good, but on the outside, I continued to go on, you know, and recuperate and not that many people knew. And so to me, if we can lose gracefully, then imagine how we win. And I just think it's important to just embrace those losses. They're hard when they happen, very hard. But if we surround ourselves with the right people, if we are working on our health and our uh, physically and mentally, we can, we can weather the storm. And then when we get to the other side, when we look back, there's always a lesson in those losses. And that's what makes us so, so strong. Absolutely. I love that so, so much. Lena, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey with us. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And I know you have an exciting podcast launch that's coming up. So, and some upcoming speaking opportunities, tell us everything so we can all continue to stay connected with you. Yes. So I am looking to be better with social media and I'm actually looking into, um, a digital manager as we speak, but the best way to keep up is on Instagram. If you follow um, me on Instagram, and why did I just forget my handle that quick? I think it's the Entrepreneurista um, on Instagram, and then on uh, Facebook the same thing. So please uh, follow those two. And on June seventh. I'm actually partnering with my executive coach, Demetri Hill Sloan, and we are launching our podcast, She Lucians. So it's not solutions, it's She Lucians, because everyone knows that what? Women know best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're excited about just going in, talking about real talk, real answers, real life, and it'll be uh, She Lucians. And our first segment is Girl, Get Your Mind Right, because we cannot like we cannot tame the beast of our business and the beast of our life if we have not conquered some of those other things going on. So it's going to be a great kickoff segment. Um, and you can follow us on Shilushins on Instagram as well. Oh my goodness. We will definitely be following you there. Keep us posted on the launch so we can re-promote and share everything on our social as well. And we can't wait to continue to follow your journey and story and, and be part of it and stay connected. So thank you again for being here, Lena. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.